Welcome everyone to the week 14 waiver wire show presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. We're going to walk through the top ads of the week. We're going to discuss some fantasy risers and fallers, a lot of that injury related. We'll discuss a few deeper league stashes, and then we'll finish the show with quarterback, tight end, and defense streamers for week 14. Let's dive right in, Ryan. The top out of the week is Ezekiel Elliott, turning back the clock. Ezekiel Elliott. Ramondre Stevenson has a high ankle sprain. The way I'm seeing this is you're getting 15 carries and three to six targets a game on a historically bad offense. There's going to be no efficiency. I think at this point, if if every other week he scores a touchdown in Ramondre Stevenson's absence, we are pumped. Kind of the kind of guy you you empty the tank on at this point in the season with Fab. If you need a running back, I don't have too many good things to say, but I think. What we've seen from Zach Charbonnet could be the Zeke experience where it's pretty inefficient and you, you get a game with eight or nine fantasy points, then suddenly he scores a touchdown the next week and you're looking at 15, 16. That is at least the hope. Yeah, I'd say a big-time game out of Elliott right now is 60 yards rushing a touchdown, three catches for 20 yards. And to your point, you know, for instance, I have a team where I have McCaffrey, Kamara, DeAndre Swift, and Jalen Warren. I'm not touching Ezekiel Elliott unless I want to block someone. But if you're stuck at running back two, you you should push all your chips in at this point in the season on Elliott. Yeah, I have one team where I've stacked running backs and it just never happened for any of them. Yeah. So Latavius Murray is often my running back two. And I think for that yeah. team, uh, yeah, I'm going to gonna have to pony up for a pretty hefty bid on Mr. Yeah. Elliott. Let's talk about the Packers passing game. We've got Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson hurt his hamstring at the very end of that Sunday night game against the Chiefs. Look at targets per route run. These guys are almost identical, about 20% for each of them. But yards per route run, Jaden Reed's at 1.7. That's a healthy number. Dobbs down in, in the 1.3 range, pretty bad. Reed is better. Reed also gets some carries in the run game. He's the preferred option. But I think both of these guys can be playable with Jordan Love looking a little bit better in recent weeks and just consolidating targets further, where at this point there's no Christian Watson. And remember, Rookie tight end Luke Musgrave is gone, so uh, there's just uh, there's not that much going on there. And Aaron Jones is still hurt, so uh, looks like Reed and Dobbs can get seven, eight targets a game at this point. Yeah, I agree that Reed's the better option out of the two. And you know, the one thing I'll add in Josh is the Packers have a pretty advantageous schedule down the stretch. They're in the NFC Wild Card race. They're they'd actually make the playoffs today, I believe, if the season ended right now. So motivated team, two top options in the passing game. You could do worse at this point in the season. Noah Brown of the Texans. Tank Dell is the broken leg. Extremely unfortunate. He'll be out for the rest of the season. Our lead dynasty analyst, Ian Miller, wrote up how he'd handle Tank Dell and dynasty. That's on the 33rdteam.com. I'd recommend reading that one. With Noah Brown, he has those back-to-back games that we remember from a few weeks ago where he had at least 150 yards, two straight weeks. Overall, even if we zoom out, at least five targets in four of his six games. He's probably the wide receiver two now behind Nico Collins, but ahead of Robert Woods weeks 15 and 17 they face the Titans we are not starting him this week against the Jets uh we might not start him week 16 against the Browns but having a player where he's at least flex viable if not just a fantasy wide receiver three for week 15 and 17 I think is worth uh most of your remaining fab at this point if that's really what you need yeah I He's had two huge spike weeks in the last month or so. I wouldn't consider that the norm. 
But like you said, those two juicy matchups against the Titans, if you're we 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 want difference makers and we want to play for upside. Wouldn't call Noah Brown a difference maker, but he's in a wonderful position. Again, warrants being aggressive on if you need if you need help at flex wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen for him, but the but knowing you can get 20 to 25 fantasy points in a guy's range of outcomes and that yeah. he's in that the offense we like, that's always appealing. Another guy that I, th- I think has some spike week upside would be Josh Palmer. Probably returning from injured reserve this week. If not this week, then next week. He averaged 14 fantasy points per game when Mike Williams got hurt in those games without Mike Williams. That's me removing the game where Palmer left very, very early due to his own knee injury. That, that's playable. Uh, Quentin Johnston simply hasn't fired. Austin Eckler doesn't look like himself. It's all kind of lining up for Josh Palmer to be the the second pass game option for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I know last year when Keenan Allen was active and Mike Williams was out, Josh Palmer was a very viable fantasy option. And that's your hope here because, like you said, the the offense outside of Keenan Allen has been borderline non-functional for about a month now. So Palmer at least, you know, gives you a ray of hope. Yeah, he does. Tajay Spears is still available on some waiver wires. He didn't have more than eight carries in any game this year. Then he gets 16 carries, turns that into 75 rushing yards last week against the Colts. He also had two red zone carries, a goal line carry. So they were, they were mixing him in a little bit and not just giving those touches exclusively to Derrick Henry. He also tied his career high last week with six targets. Tennessee season is over, Ryan. Maybe they give the, the rookie a little more work. I wouldn't start him this next week, but I think he's worth just scooping up because if he's available on waivers, I could see, uh, like, like if he, if he had 15 touches in week 17 against the Texans, that wouldn't be the craziest thing. Uh, I think some people out there were very excited about him because of Derrick Henry's concussion. It turns out he's not concussed. I, I watched the hit. It looks like there's no way he wasn't concussed, but uh, apparently uh, concussions don't affect the big dog. So Tajay Spears, still the RB2 there. Do you have hope that with t- the Titans season over, he'll get more work? That's that's kind of the out that I'm hoping for. I just don't really, it's hard for me to know how, uh, how likely that actually is. Yeah, that's what should happen. You know, Adam Levitan said this years ago, it's always stuck with me. One of our jobs is, is to figure out what coaches actually do versus what they should do. So I think sh- should do, is yet the answer is yes what they're going to to do i'm not sure especially since the big dog plays by different rules than everyone else no concussions don't bother him he's fine but one thing i'm going to add here josh is the schedule down the stretch for the titans is brutal at miami versus houston versus seattle at houston versus jacksonville negative game scripts his passing game roles going up and you know we both love him as a player so he's definitely a guy who shouldn't be available anywhere now stash him see what happens let's talk about elijah moore he had 12 targets in Joe Flacco's first game for a 29% target share. That led the team. He caught just four of them for 83 yards, but he had three targets in the end zone. He had another one in the red zone. Amari Cooper was concussed less than halfway through the game last week. I am going to blame this as a bad beat. I bet on Amari Cooper over 47 and a half yards. I took a 75-yard alt line. That was looking pretty good when, after only 15 routes, he had three catches for 34 yards. Unfortunately... Those were the only 15 routes he ran. Other players on the team were running in the 40s. If we project that out, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, the bet didn't hit, but we should probably scoop up Elijah Moore because if Amari Cooper's concussed, he's probably not playing this next week. Joe Flacco threw for over 250 yards in his first start. They faced the pass funnel Jacksonville Jaguars defense this week. 
on a short week. We just saw the Jaguars get absolutely embarrassed by Jake Browning and company on Monday Night Football. And I'm actually ranking Elijah Moore pretty aggressively for this week. I, I liked what I saw. Joe Flacco knows him from his Jets days last year. I think Elijah Moore is in the fantasy wide receiver three conversation as early as this week. Yeah, I think that's interesting. One thing I'm going to throw in here is last season when Joe Flacco was a Jet, Elijah Moore didn't say anything when they moved to Zach Wilson. He literally basically publicly asked to be traded. So he like you know, him and Joe Flacco have a bit of a rapport. There, there's some upside here this week, especially I, I if Trevor Lawrence misses this game, I could see the Browns stomping Jacksonville. So again, he's not safe at all. But if you're in dire straits here, Elijah Moore is a pretty interesting option. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this commander's run game. So they are in a week 14 buy. You can get these guys cheap. They might even get dropped. Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez are the guys because Brian Robinson has a hamstring strain. The guy got shot last year in the butt and he missed four games. So <laughs> thinking that this is a long-term injury, I think is foolhardy. Just this guy's built different, but uh, you might at least get a something for maybe week 15 with uh, Gibson and or Chris Rodriguez, where Antonio Gibson gets the pass down work and some of the base work. And then Chris Rodriguez is basically just a pure thumper. I think the preference is Gibson if he's on waivers. So I I think I'd probably just leave Chris Rodriguez alone since I, it wouldn't really surprise me if Gibson got some of those red zone or goal line carries, if they were splitting work without Robinson, is that how you're viewing it? Or you have a slightly different take on this one? Yeah. Just the hope that Gibson sees a full role would be, is I think what I'd take a stab at here too, but you know, the Rams after their buy at the Rams at the jets versus 49ers, they're probably going to get smoked by the 49ers, but the other two games, maybe they can hang in a little bit. Maybe Rodriguez sees 15 carries, but again, you know, what's a good game for him? 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. I, I'd take my chances with Gibson seeing a full roll. Yeah. Hope that Gibson gets dropped for that week 14. Bye folks. That's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out his power rankings, which hit the site today. Yesterday, he had his survivor thoughts. Thursday, he's got his expert picks and predictions for every game. And Saturday, he lets you know what he's betting on in each and every game. Ryan, let's talk about a few fantasy risers. Justin Jefferson returns to the Vikings offense for week 14 at the Raiders. The way I'm seeing it, it's a boost to Josh Dobbs. I I don't see why getting back a, a top three wide receiver would do anything other than hurt the quarterback or other than help the quarterback. Probably hurts TJ Hawkinson's volume. He's been a mid-30s target share guy this year without Jefferson. It probably returns to the low 20s when Jefferson returns. Jordan Addison becomes probably just a a flex, maybe even a desperation flex play. I I don't see a lot of volume going his way when Jefferson and Hawkinson should get so much more of the work. And then, God, I hate to say this, but I do think it adds touchdown upside to Mr. Alexander Madison, who is the goal line back. I have Justin Jefferson right now, wide receiver 20 in my fantasy rankings. Those will be up on the site later today. The Raiders are pretty stingy against the pass, a little more friendly against the run. I'm not quite sure if Jefferson's on a routes restriction or what his rapport is like with Josh Dobbs. Uh, I think anyone out there thinking the Jamar Chase, Jake Browning experience is immediately coming to Justin Jefferson are probably going to be disappointed, but it's at least encouraging that that can happen. Do you have anything else to add here too? the Vikings getting their best player back this week. And two things real quick. One, I mean, I don't think Josh Dobbs has been named the starter yet this week, but please, please let this guy continue to run. Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins 
you'd be the, the Vikings would be an eight loss team right now if they didn't have Josh Dobbs. So please just stick with that. And two, I actually like that you're being conservative on them. I, I do it the same way. You have to play them in most situations if you have them, but tempered expert expectations this week. Don't expect the Jamar Chase game with Jake Brenning to be the norm for Jefferson, but that's probably going to happen at least once down the stretch. Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy, Ryan, two of the MVP favorites at this point, both coming off incredible games and just incredible months overall. You talk a lot about how being the number one seed is critical to win the MVP. Neither of these teams are the number one seed. That is still the Eagles. How, how do you make sense of this? Is this just a, a different year given all the, all the weird quarterback injuries and what's happened? Yeah, over the last decade, Adrian Peterson's the only non-quarter. Actually, it's not a decade anymore. He was 11 years ago. Over the last decade, Matt Ryan's the only quarterback to win the MVP that wasn't the number one seed. He was the number two seed at 11 and five. I think we're looking at an abnormal situation here where Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, who are who are in the driver's seat for the number one seed right now, haven't been productive enough to win. Where Prescott and Purdy are both probably going to be, you know, 12 win teams or better. So I, I do think one of them's most likely to win unless Jackson or Hurts just goes nuts down the stretch. Devon Achan returned for the Dolphins. He reclaimed the Miami backfield. He is a riser. He looks like a mid-range fantasy running back one rest of season. He had 17 carries, 70, 73 rushing yards. He scored twice on the ground. He also had four targets. He led this backfield in routes run. He caught three for 30 yards. That's 25 fantasy points in PPR formats. Raheem Mostert bumps down now. He's probably a low-end fantasy running back too most weeks where you're, you're kind of guaranteed 10 to 15 touches in the Dolphins backfield, which is exciting. But knowing that H hand's going to get more of those red zone and goal line carries, get more pass game work. I think Mostert scoring 12 fantasy points last week is kind of what you're hoping for at this point. That's not super exciting. And then Jeff Wilson, just a stash at this point. How did H hand look in his return? Good, man. I mean, you know, I, someone asked me a start sick question on him, and I said, listen, if you want upside, A-Chain's your guy just about in any, any situation. And over the next two weeks against the Titans and the Jets, where Miami's likely going to be in a positive gain script for most of those contests, major upside again. And even when they play Dallas, the Ravens, and Buffalo down the stretch, potential shootouts, A-Chain, you know, he's, I wouldn't call him safe, but 100 yards and two touchdowns is, like, not even borderline abnormal for this guy at this point. Let's talk about a few fallers now. Oh, the Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has the ankle sprain. We, we talked about that pre-show. It looked really bad. First, he gets stepped on by his tackle, Walker Little. Then his leg gets crunched under him in the scrum. So he might have sprained his ankle two different mechanisms. It was hard to watch. He, he had to be helped off the field. And Christian Kirk, uh, I believe his, I don't even know exactly what this is. He has testicular torsion, I guess. <laughs> his, <laughs> he... It he Ignor landed on his ball. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ignorance is bliss in this situation, Josh. I'm glad neither of us know what that's about. <laughs> so uh, Christian Kirk, uh, according to, ooh, ooh, this one's cracking me up. Sorry, Christian. According to Twitter doctors, oh, he <laughs> probably, ooh, probably doesn't play this week. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> we are switching from Trevor Lawrence to CJ. <laughs> oh, Ryan, I'll let you take over for a second. Yeah, the 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 switch from Trevor Lawrence to CJ Beathard is no laughing matter, Josh. That's a the the margin is enormous there. Um, it's been a terrible year for quarterback injuries. It's almost like half the league is is starting a, a backup quarterback. We talked about this on the show. 
31-28 would have made sense looking at this game on opening day, but Jake Browning and C.J. Beathard finishing this one off is just, oh, man. I, I hope Trevor Lawrence can come back soon because the, the Jaguars are in a lot of trouble if C.J. Beathard's the guy going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones both had big target boosts with Kirk's injury. I, I would expect more boosts this week. However, uh, this is a pretty brutal matchup. It is the the Browns. So when you get the Browns on tap with C.J. Beathard, I, I would have very, very tempered expectations for Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. I think the only guy that might get a slight boost here, Evan Engram. He works a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. The Browns, as we know, have that vaunted pass rush. Uh, might also be a slight boost to tra- Travis Etienne where they just lean on the run game pretty heavily. But overall, this is uh, this is kind of doomsday for the Jaguars. Kenny Pickett suffered a high ankle sprain. Mitch Trubisky starting on Thursday Night Football, where the game totals around 30. Uh, maybe Deontay Johnson's target share spikes. We, we've seen that happen in Trubisky starts. Overall, this is not what you want from the offense. Trubisky's... Trubisky makes Kenny Pickett look like the clear and obvious who should start for the Steelers. And uh, we have not been impressed with Pickett this year. Anything to add to what you expect from Trubisky? And can we start a single Steeler uh, in this past game on Thursday night? So I'm going to, in a couple hours, I'm going to write up this game since it's an isolated night game. And, you know, it's probably going to be the biggest uh, slog I've had to date for one single thing. <laughs> uh, my concern here is, is twofold. One, like you said, Trubisky makes Kenny Pickett look like the unquestioned starter. That's not a comp- <laughs> That's not a compliment. Two, New England's offense is so bad and the Steelers have been very productive on the in the run. You, you like, enlightened us on this yesterday. I think it's what the last four games, Jalen Warren's leading the league in rushing and Yeah, and Najee Harris is fifth, so they're going to run the ball as often as they can. And since New England probably can't score, like this game could break a could break the record for running rushing attempts in the 21st century. (laughs) Yeah, gotta agree there. I'm going to be a little bit above consensus, most likely on Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Uh, Probably below consensus on all these Steelers. Some might get very excited about Deontay Johnson, and I think we just have to remember what this game total is. And that uh, the, these terrible games are generally not favorable to pass attacks. Yeah. Last faller is DeAndre Swift. He was out snapped 37 to 29 by Kenny Gainwell this past week. Swift did have six carries to Gainwell's two. Swift did get the one red zone carry, but routes were 31 to 17 in Gainwell's favor. They both had six targets. So Swift was heavily utilized when he was on the field, but Swift caught two for seven yards. Swift totaled 20 total yards in this game. Meanwhile, Gainwell caught five of six targets for 42 yards. Significantly more productive. And that's just concerning for Swift. I I don't really know what to make of it. I'm not sure if there was some kind of injury going on. The, the blowout kind of took shape more towards the end of the game. So we had most of the game where this was at least reasonably close enough that a starter like Swift should get the work. Do you have any takes on... This, because it looks like Gainwell, if he's on waivers, is at least worth the ad, given what we just saw. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to add two things to this. One is Gainwell did have did have some usage spike uh, late in the game when the game was over, but they were both playing when it was still, uh, you know, contested. So Swift's, Swift's the better player, the more dynamic player, but, you know, it, it's December now. Splitting carries could benefit both players in the short term. So I, I'd err on the side of caution if I have Swift. And now, again, to, to talk about that team I have with McCaffrey, Kamara, Swift, and Jalen Warren, I'm going to play Jalen Warren over Swift for Thursday night. 
And, you know, that's the first time I've done that this year. So that, that's kind of where my head's at here. Let's now turn to some deep league stashes. Chase Brown, Bengals running back. He carried nine times for 61 yards on Monday night. Mixon did have 19 carries. Mixon was significantly less efficient. I say deep league stash because Mixon is still clearly the guy. Uh, this was definitely the ceiling game from this Bengals offense with Jake Browning. But if it, if it ends up being a lost season like it will probably be, you kind of want some exposure to a speedy rookie with receiving ability like Chase Brown. Yeah, I know entering the season, my concern with Chase Brown was their, their Bengals' primary objective is to protect Joe Burrow, and you don't want to stick an unreliable rookie back there with him. I don't think there is concern with Jake Browning's safety. So seeing what they have in Chase Brown makes a lot of sense as an organization too. Uh, Jonathan Mingo led the Panthers in targets now in back-to-back weeks, at least a 25% target share in both games. This past week, he actually had a 39% target share, 10 targets. He caught six for 69 yards in the first game without head coach Frank Reich, who was fired. Still, though, we have to remember the past five games, Bryce Young has been under 200 passing yards. Not a pass attack we like. That's why I'm putting him in the stashes category. Is uh, It's a wait-and-see move. Mingo does have size. He does have speed. That is uh, about it. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's in a position where it's, you know, let's see what we got going forward, and Jonathan Mingo is a guy they need to find answers for sooner than later, mm-hmm. so. Again, like you said, he's a stash. I definitely wouldn't plug him in the lineups yet. Yeah, uh, no surprise that the mid-30s Adam Thielen is starting to decline and yeah. show his age as the season moves along. Dontavian Wicks, Packers receiver. He has two yards per route run this year. That's actually quite good. That's the best on the team. It's coming on very few routes per game. It's coming against really low-level cornerback play, but I think he's at least worth mentioning with this Watson injury that it's a, a rookie who's been efficient, we should generally like that. Uh, Jordan Fanick, who is the wide receiver whisperer, was in on Wicks and then unfortunately dipped out when he saw the 4-6-40 time in the draft capital. But what he saw in college was uh, an interesting deep threat type player. So there might be a spike week or two here. But I think ultimately this is just a deep league ad. Yeah, uh, three things. Packers schedule, advantageous again. Uh opportunities on the rise and like you said jordan was texting us about this guy in in march so while he did back off a little bit with his speed jordan mentioned you know four or five rookie ride receivers where he had a strong stance on and you know high on tank dell down on jonathan mingo he's jordan knows his stuff so he is worth a stash in deep leagues jermichael hasty is probably more explosive than ezekiel elliott Ty Montgomery is ahead of Hasty on the depth chart, kind of, but he's a receiving only back. So uh, potentially on the Patriots, Jermichael Hasty could carve out a a significant rushing role. Very, very deep ad. I, I would not be starting him, but I think we have to at least mention the possibility that he gets a lot more run the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, maybe he's like, you know, a homeless man's version of James White or Shane Vereen in this offense, so... <laughs> Again, we'll see what happens. Parker Washington, the Jaguars rookie receiver. We all saw him last night. Six targets. He caught all six for 61 yards and a touchdown against the Bengals. He was a sixth round pick this past draft. He's built like DJ Moore. That's exciting. Uh, He was the wide receiver two at Penn State in college behind Jahan Dotson. Dotson, as we know, is a first round pick. He was actually pretty productive. Freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Early producer declared early for the draft. This is all exciting. Unfortunately, 
he's going to be the fourth pass game option for CJ Beathard. Uh, I think we can probably leave him on waivers, but uh, hey, at least he he did get 18 fantasy points in a primetime game. Yeah, you know, if Trevor Lawrence only misses a week or two, sure, maybe Parker Washington makes sense in deep leagues. If it's CJ Beathard, I'm good. Yeah, the problem is I'm trying to laugh this time, but Christian Kirk probably returns before yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a very, very thin window with Parker Washington, but I, anyone that scores 18 fantasy points on primetime should at least get mentioned. We're going to go rapid fire now. Let's talk about some quarterback streamers. Russell Wilson at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are the third best matchup for quarterbacks and fantasy points when adjusting for schedule. Russell Wilson is coming off his worst game of the year. He threw three picks against the Texans. He's otherwise been pretty reliable. I, I could see both teams putting up some points in this one. And uh, I hate to say it, Ryan. I hate to say it. I, I have Russ in my top 12 this week for fantasy quarterbacks. That's just the week it is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he has that kind of upside. I definitely don't think he's safe again. But, you know, borderline Hall of Fame player. The Chargers' pass defense has been pretty bad outside of the last two weeks. If you need upside, Russ may be the guy that you can get. You know what? I'll put you on the spot on air. I have okay. Russ ranked ahead of C.J. Stroud this week. Is that an overreaction? Stroud is facing the Jets, and he's without Tank Dell. Uh, I think Nico Collins is getting heavy attention. Then you're kind of crossing your fingers for Noah Brown and tight end Brevin Jordan. So I actually think Russ is safer with some similar upside. Yeah, I mean, he's going to play in a hybrid stadium in LA, and it's going to be rainy and cold here on Sunday. So mm-hmm. that, I actually don't think that's crazy. I, I with it, it feels uncomfortable because Stroud's been awesome, but yeah. I actually don't think that's crazy. You know what? Sometimes we have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Matthew yeah. Stafford is at the Ravens. Another uncomfortable one. The Ravens are a terrible matchup for quarterbacks, but... Matthew Stafford did just throw for 279 yards and three touchdowns against Cleveland last week. And then two weeks ago, 229 yards, four touchdowns against the Cardinals. The Rams are touchdown underdogs. They're going to have to pass quite a bit against the Ravens. Stafford's one of those few quarterbacks. He's probably one of like the six or seven quarterbacks in the NFL that can be considered at least partially matchup proof. So I I think this is not the worst decision given how terrible the, the quarterback matchups are this week. Yeah, here's my thoughts on this. If this game ended 27 Ravens 27 Rams 13 where Stafford had 220 and a touchdown, it wouldn't be stunned. But if he kept them in this one and had 300 yards and three touchdowns, that wouldn't really blow me away either. So lower than normal floor, obviously. But I do think he has an interesting season where I could see him making his way into a DFS lineup or two of mine this week. Josh Dobbs at the Raiders. We already talked about it. Uh, He's getting Justin Jefferson back. He's fighting for his job which seems ridiculous. So I I think he's streaming viable this week. He's got some mobility and he'll have one of the best supporting casts uh, out of all of these streaming type quarterbacks. Plus he has the rushing upside, man. I mean, they're in my opinion, they're crazy if they sit him for the options they have. So I'm, I might actually play Dobbs over Wilson or Stafford. If if I was in this spot, Gardner Minshew at the Bengals. Uh, Suddenly it might be a sneaky shootout. We, with what we just saw from Jake Browning, and the, the Colts defense just hasn't been particularly great. Or the, the Bengals defense just hasn't been particularly great. We we saw Lawrence was was fairly efficient prior to his injury. So uh, Gardner Minshew, every single week in the streaming conversation. He is. I mean, the Colts are 7-5. They'd make the playoffs today. And while the Bengals defense is very well coached, they're, they're talent poor. So, uh, again, I think he's... I'd rather play Stafford than him, but 
it would at least be something that I'd consider. Let's talk about some tight end streamers. We got Brevin Jordan at the Jets. That's assuming Dalton Schultz misses week 14 due to the hamstring injury that kept him out last week. Brevin Jordan had only four targets, but they didn't pass much. That was a 15% target share. He caught three for 64 yards. The Jets have struggled against running backs and tight ends this year. So Brevin Jordan may be viable. And then the other guy is Tucker Craft. He's traveling to the New York Giants. Giants have shut down tight ends, but uh, I think that if you're ever going to not trust a fantasy points allowed metric, it should be the tight ends one, just with how there's only a few guys that actually produce each week in the NFL. Kraft only had two targets in his first start in week 12 when Luke Musgrave got hurt. Then last week he had six targets. He caught three for 37 yards. Two of his targets came in the red zone last week against the Chiefs. Christian Watson's probably missing time. Tucker Kraft is actually quite athletic himself. He was quite productive in college. The big knock on him was it was South Dakota State. That's a pretty low-level competition. But uh, we, we might get another three for 37 or better line against the Giants. Do you have any other nuanced thoughts about other of these uh, glowing, glowing streaming options? I actually like both guys as a player. Brevin Jordan's a, a pretty good athlete for the position. And like you said, Kraft went to a small school, but when we were doing our draft our draft kit uh, work, I, I liked him more than consensus. And both guys are in sneaky, interesting spots, especially Kraft, who has narrow targets this week. Folks, before we get to our defense streamers for Week 14, reminder to follow Ryan at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. All his work, all my work's on the33team.com. My fantasy rankings are hitting the site later today. We're going to be debuting a start sit column. Look for that midweek as well, since we know just how critical these decisions are with week 14, 15, 16, 17, and that is it. We're down to our final four weeks. All right, Ryan, let's rapid fire these. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule, and I see on Thursday night the Patriots are at the Steelers. Uh Patriots defense against Mitch Trubisky. Do we have interest? I mean, the Patriots defense has been good. Their offense is the problem. My concern here is, again, I think Pittsburgh's going to run the ball 40 times, maybe more. Sacks and turnover opportunities are going to be limited here. If you're in a points allowed league that that rewards that heavily, I, I do like the Patriots, but otherwise I'm looking for other options, even though I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. Would you be looking for the Texans, who travel to New York to face the Jets? Tim Boyle's been released. They, they picked up Brett Ripien from Seattle. I, I, I don't, I don't even know who, who's going to quarterback. Zach Wilson doesn't want a quarterback. Yeah. This all makes me optimistic though, for the Texans defense. If nobody wants to be under center this week. Absolutely. I have a spot where I'm trying to win most points in a league where, you know, most points pays $2,000. I have the Cowboys. I want to pick up the Texans and sit the Cowboys. Because, again, the musical chairs, the Jets don't have an effective offense at all. If Houston, Even if Houston gets to 17 points, that could be an insurmountable lead for New York. And if they have to play from behind, no, we're talking pick sixes and sacks are very much on the table. Yeah, it's, uh, it's horrific to watch it's them bad. right now. It's bad. It's bad. We could also say the same thing about the, the Giants offense at times throughout this year. And the Packers travel to New York to face the Giants. Packers seem pretty viable this week to me. I assume yeah, I mean, as well. MetLife Stadium is going to going to host two gruesome games in a row this week. Uh, the Packers are going to have a pass, pass rush is going to have a trench advantage in this matchup. That's attractive to me. I do think there's some there's some chance that they let down after last week's big big win against KC, where I could see the Giants covering in a gruesome game. But ultimately, again, with the Cowboys scenario, I'm going to sit the Cowboys. I'm trying to get Houston, then Green Bay, 
and the Patriots will be third on that list. I'm not sure if I'll play the Patriots or the Cowboys in that scenario. The Vikings travel to Las Vegas to face the Raiders. And then conversely, the Raiders are hosting the Vikings. I would lean towards the Vikings side of this since uh, I don't know if I want to play the Raiders when Justin Jefferson's returning. But at face value, it seemed like they're both these defenses are at least in the conversation. Sure, Max, you know, like you, you said yesterday, the Raiders' defense has actually been sneaky decent. They've overachieved this year. They're not a great unit, but Max Crosby gives you stack upside. And we just saw two weeks ago, Josh Dobbs threw four interceptions. But I like the Vikings side too. I'll take Brian Flores, blitz, blitzing the ever-loving daylights out of Aiden O'Connell all day. Uh, that's another sneaky, strong matchup in a week that has a number of great defensive options. Folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been the Week 14 Waiver Wire Show. From myself, Josh Larkey, from my co-host, Ryan Reynolds, from the 33rd team. Thank you, everyone.